What's up, everybody? It's time for another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with actor-musician London May. You may know London from his time in Glenn Danzig's Samhain. Currently, he's the star of the upcoming black metal comedy horror film, Brutal Realty, Inc., from award-winning director Eric Boccio. So we had a fun chat with London all about his career and the upcoming film. Check it out. Super stoked. Um, you can ask me anything. Oh, I love that. That's my favorite. Um, you'd be surprised. Not everybody is that down and open. Some people are stressed out and worried. You're not. That's good. Well, you know, I got I got a lot to be, you know, I got to be honest. There are years where I don't really feel very open and very talkative about stuff for one reason or another. And, uh, you got me at a good time. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, super stoked to be hanging out. London May. Stoked to talk to you about the brand new comedy film, uh, Brutal Realty, Inc., which is hysterical. I just watched it a couple of times in a row. Practically peed myself with laughter. Um, it is really well done, really funny. You are great in it. Um, oh, well, thank you so much, man. Yeah, man. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, people obviously know you from your musical career, Sam Hain, and many other credits, but you are quite an accomplished actor. Anybody that can, we'll, we'll link your IMDb pages, extensive credits, uh, cult films, comedies, dramas, horror films. You got a bit role in The Dark Knight Rises, but uh, this is really a really nice, fun role role for you and I wanted to kind of just get into the process how you got into the film how you were approached and how did you approach the film um well most things that that I do I've you know starting as a kid in punk rock bands I've had to kind of create for myself because you know if you sit around and wait for the phone to ring you know you're gonna you're gonna grow old and stale and resentful and bitter. So you go out there and you make shit yourself. If you don't like the music that you're hearing, you make your own music. If you don't like the shows that are in your town, you put on your own shows. If you don't like uh, the work that you're being offered as an actor, you create your own roles and you work with people that, that you feel are on the same page about that. And I got really lucky with Brutal Realty. I created this character as a almost like out of frustration with doing the same thing over and over again with things that I was with roles that I was asked to do. Um, and most of it is show up as a creep or a biker or as a killer or as a bad guy where they're just kind of. I don't know, more stock characters. And I had, I had been asked to come and do some guest star roles on some short films. And I showed up as the summoner before brutal realty. I had done the summoner in some smaller roles where they had said, well, just come and, you know, be yourself and you're kind of a rock guy and blah, blah, blah. And I was really tired of, a, being myself, and B, doing the same thing over and over again, and experiment and get creative and show up as a different character. And this character was the Summoner, which was a black metal, uh, kind of fish-out-of-water, awkward, socially awkward demon who is uh, thrust in these 
you know, social situations where he's uh, trying to assimilate, you know, with society. And the I played a um, uh, in one short film. I was a musical director on a talk show, like a Paul Schaefer on a talk show, the Summoner as a talk show musical director. And then in another one, I was uh, I was interviewed on a talk show as the summoner. And it really seemed to be something that was easy for me. And I had a lot of fun with and it felt creative. And I felt kind of energized as an actor. You know, like when you when I would put on the clothes and when I put on the makeup, I felt um, like I was channeling something that was in in me, but some, nobody had to like really write a script for me. It was all there instinctually as a weirdo and a freak and as somebody who's into dark stuff, um, but also had a, a funny, absurd side to it. That's a long answer to your question. Well, it's a really good answer to that question. I, I think you touched on a lot of key points, one of which is it is kind of a microcosm, not just for uh, your personal life, but I think all of our lives, really, we're all trying to assimilate, especially creative people attracted to darkness and the dark side of life. I think we're all trying to fit it and be normies, right? And not that there's anything wrong with that, too, because you got to make money and you got to live. And some of us need jobs, nine to five jobs. But for creative types, it's, I think, especially hard to just kind of fit in and convince everybody else that you're just like them, just a little different. Right. <laughs> In the summoner's case, a lot different, but mostly different. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a a lonely, naive, sad sack who really wants to succeed. He really wants to make friends, and he really wants to be successful. And it's actually funnier when he's not successful. You know, when he fails, it's it's really funny because he's so passionate about trying to do a good job and he's just inept and you know a lot of things that I've you know you can kind of bluster your way through stuff and sometimes it works and other times uh, you you're you know you you make a big uh, you know you belly flop and the summoners the, the king of of tripping over his own feet Indeed. Uh, without giving away the whole plot of the story, I did find there was a lot of great comedic choices by you. And I think one of the great things about comedy is uh, we laugh when there's no self-awareness. But the summoners, the, right? The, the summoner is alternately full of self-awareness that he wants to change, but also not self-aware enough to realize that certain things are not at, you know, the scene, the, you know, certain scenes he's not quite getting what everybody else is seeing. He doesn't see it. He sees through his lens and not everybody else's, which is really funny and great by you. Well, the way that the, the script was written is because we had this, so we had this character who, you know, what are we going to do with them? And we, I had, I had done a movie, a Western movie with a young writer and I pitched him the idea that we should, you know, in the future we should work on something else together. And he said, well, what do you got? And I said, well, I have this, this character. Could you write a story about him that we could make a little movie about? And he went, uh, he spent a weekend writing and he pitched us the idea of the summoner pursuing his passion of flipping houses. And I asked him about it. I said, why did you come up with that idea? It's, it's so great. It's so funny. I would never expect that in a million years. And he said, 
I didn't want to write a horror film. I wanted to write a film that had horror elements to it and, and certainly some absurd gore and violence, but I really wanted to, you know, put this character who I thought had a lot of humanity in a situation that um, he could express more of his, of his personality as a, you know, a, a bull in a china shop, a fish out of water, you know, someone who was misunderstood and, like you said, not self-aware of his... Um, uh, what would you say? Fill me in here. I'm sorry. You you can <laughs> no, jump in okay. here any moment. Yeah, he's, I'm... he's trying to make his way and sort of be a square peg in a round hole. And it's a, it's a rough one because again, we all, we all can sympathize. I think anyone who sees this beside the fact that it's hilarious and cool, I think people will relate because we, we all feel like misunderstood and miscast. Yeah. And everybody is, is tired of the same old, same old with their nine to five job. Everybody dreams of busting out and making something on their own and following their passion. You know, there was so much depression in the world these days and people, you know, at, at their mundane jobs and they always, you know, they look out the window and go, man, I, I bet there's something better for me out there. There's, there's something where I could make a difference. And in the summoner's weird universe, he feels that he can make a difference selling houses and he doesn't know what he's up against. And um, the when we read the script, I realized that the jokes weren't, you know, we're kind of laughing at the whole absurdity of it um, because I don't really play the character for laughs. I play him sincerely befuddled by why things aren't working and why people would, would discriminate against him. Like he's so naive that it, like I'm really touched and I'm really disappointed when people say you're a freak because he looks in the mirror and says, you know, go get him tiger. And when he comes face to face with discrimination and bullying, he's really shocked. Indeed. There's a couple of great uh, sort of the disappointment face, the reaction shots when, you know, different characters flip out and run away and <laughs> You do a really great job sort of, you know, capturing that like, oh, I don't understand why that happened. You know, uh, you know, yeah. it's empathy. You you cause empathy for the viewer. I think it's going to be really, you know, there's going to be people touched by this even. And then, well, I thought, so, you know, let me tell you, it, yeah. it's uh, Keith is I was really touched by it. I would not have. It's, it was all in the script. I mean, I got to tell you, like. It was like somebody giving you a song and a lyrics and you actually perform the song and the lyrics and you connect with what somebody else wrote for you and it becomes your own. But I was so lucky to receive such a gift in that script that I was allowed to really be myself, which is a kid who got bullied, a kid who got made fun of, you know, a kid who tried and failed over and over again to do things that people said, you'll never get anywhere with that. And it's, it is very sincere and it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of acting, but it's a lot of, of really coming from a, from a genuine place of I've been there before. Killer. I think everybody is going to get that when they see this. And um, one other thing I, I you touched on earlier in the call here was uh, I love the practical effects. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's a comedy with horror elements and the uh, the horror elements are these great kills. And um, 
really great practical effects. Uh, what, what and it's no, you're no stranger to that stuff, of course. So, uh, was there a particular one you enjoyed the most? Um, well, I can tell you there's one that I did not enjoy the most. Um, is that one of the practical effects went absolutely uh, backwards and it ruined the set. And we kind of uh, thought that we had lost the whole day of shooting. Um, just because when you're working with blood and tubing and, you know, practical effects, you're at the, you know, and when you say action, you. Uh, there's one moment where you just go, fuck, please don't let this fuck up because this is going to make a fucking mess. And one of the tubing, the high pressure blood tubings exploded and it sent a shower of blood in the wrong direction all over the set and all over the equipment. And uh, it was, uh, oh my God, I was so bummed because you know, when you're shooting on a tight schedule, um, not only, you know, you have to, you have to clean up everything and redo the thing is that all of a sudden you're off schedule. Um, and you've made a fucking mess and how much is it going to cost to clean up? And when you're on a limited budget, that shit, uh, is, uh, tragic. But, uh, so that, that was one of the, one of the effects went bad. Um, but, the good thing is I look back and when we won Best Kill at Cinepocalypse, I felt completely like it was all worth it. You know, if you had uh, if you had done something, you know, if you had broken your arm in a skateboarding accident, but somebody filmed it and you won an award for it, you'd be like, hey, well, that's worth breaking my arm for. Um, so when the practical effect went bad and it fucked up everything. I still felt like, wow, okay, it was all worth it because when we got it right, um, you know, people, people appreciated it. Um, and there was also a moment where we had, uh, I had ordered some air repellent, these big spray cans of air repellent, uh, which were used in the scene, um, uh, which were also used in that scene where I get maced yes <laughs> and the and i bought this inert air repellent like inert it means i figured it meant that it was non-toxic and we could use these big giant cans of bear repellent just to make it really absurd and i'm so glad i read the fine print because i called the company and i said hey i'm a little confused about this can you walk me through it? I bought these inert cans of bear repellent for this movie and I'm going to get sprayed in the face with it. And they panicked and they said, do not spray that shit in your face. Not only is it toxic, even in its inert form, it is so powerful that it will burst your eyeballs. It will actually pop your eyeballs. This is supposed to be used as a practice sprayer um, from 30 yards away for a charging bear. If you spray it at arm's length into somebody's face, it will pop their eyes. It's so powerful. You know how like a garden hose versus a fire hose will like lift a person off the ground? Right. <laughs> this will have like taken the skin off my face. Um, and we found that out right before we shot that we could not use the 
the bear repellent uh, in the scene. So we had to modify some other uh, props to use um, in that scene. And I'm happy to say that uh, if we figure that out beforehand, or I probably would be, you know, uh, probably would have been forever blinded by that. Another, you know, if we had won an award for that, it'd be like, well, it was worth being blinded. But thankfully, I don't have to say that. Oh, you kind of need your vision to do things like act exactly. and, and play drums. <laughs> kind and, of, yeah. You know, for your career and your rest of your comfortable life, you kind of need your vision if you can help it. But, uh, you know, I, I hear I like that commitment, though. That's that's some uh, Dennis Hopper like uh, I'm going to maim myself, you know. Um, yeah, you don't. You know, when you're when when you're producing a movie and you're trying to get it made um, and you know that I took a lot of punishment in the movie that I did not want to put on other actors. So I was happy to do it. Um, and fortunately, the other people in the uh, in the cast were also game to to do stunts and to do the practical effects. And that was, uh, that was something that we made really, really clear in the casting, uh, is that they had to be okay with that. We didn't want any surprises on set where we say, now we are going to cover you in blood. Are you okay with that? And they were like, hell yes. And we're like, great. <laughs> nice. like that enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We got really lucky. We got really lucky. Everybody was on board for that. Awesome, man. It's, it's great to hear. So you guys are in the thick of promoting the film and you said you mentioned some awards and some uh, horror cons and stuff. Uh, what else is on the docket for this is in terms of promotion? Well, we're we're going to start the, the film festival season starts up again in the fall and we hope to, you know, spread the, the brutality all over the world with film festivals. And I'm also very excited to tell you that there is a feature-length brutal realty film in development right now. That would be amazing. I would love to see it. It definitely can be well, definitely can be expanded to a full feature. Yeah, we're very excited about it. Things really took off after the first two festival screenings and we were contacted by a movie studio and we have some some big names attached uh, to the project right now. We have a script, and it looks like it's going to happen. And, you know, we're just so appreciative of people who have connected with the movie, people like yourself who have seen it and been excited enough to want to talk more about it and want to see more because that was something that we we were going to make more Adventures of the Summoner, whether people liked it or not because we wanted to, you know, and I think that comes through, like if you're in a band and you put out a single, you hope people will like it, but if they don't, that's cool too. You're going to keep doing it. And we wanted to do more with this. Um, fortunately, somebody stepped in and said, we want to help you do more with this. How can we, how can we help you make a full record? You know, cause the short film, you have to kind of piecemeal it out because of the budget. And now we get to make a full record. And so it's a it's a dream come true to create something and have people connect with it and identify with it and then want to see more. That's awesome, man. Uh, two festivals in particular that I can think of are two sort of event type things where this thing would go over a ton would be Rock and Shock out in Worcester, Mass. And Spooky Empire, which Ghost Cult has been a part of uh, in the last year or so that down in Florida, you guys would kill there. Oh, that. 
that's yeah, the rock, rock and shock yeah. is where like the bands play as well, right? Yep, totally. Yeah, totally right and, on. And, so they, and they have a horror convention sort of up the block. As we wind this down, I do want to ask you about music because I know you still make music and you had a release out last year with Ritual. Uh, do you have anything else going on uh, in the near future for film or music you can share? Yeah. Um, I have got a new band uh, that is uh, I've actually got two music projects. One is that the Summoner is actually going to make a record with the uh, with the band that scored the movie. So there's a brutal realty album that we're going to record uh, with the with Sanford Parker um, and Bruce Lamont and with Dallas from Pelican. So we're going to record a full record of music from the film and inspired by the film. It's going to be like half black metal and half John Carpenter. Um, And so we're working on that. And then I've got an original band uh, called Symbolism, which is another band that's going in the studio in two weeks to make an album. And it's me and Rick Agnew and James McGurty from the original Christian Death lineup sure. from 1981. Yeah, of course. Wow, that's great. And, that's great. And that is something that we've been working on for like a year and a half, and it's going to fucking crush. It's so great, and I cannot wait for the world to hear that. I've Like, it's weird. Like, you go through eras where you just, you seem like you're swimming upstream with all your creative stuff, and you keep you keep doing it, you keep doing it, and then all of a sudden things open up and everything starts to click and make sense. And so musically and with, uh, with my acting stuff, it all has opened up after years of working really hard. And so I finally am having, you know, a real break right now with stuff. And I think it's just the time is right for everything. So I'm really happy that I've got exciting music and um, and acting stuff to share with everybody. Awesome, man. Well, all the best. Super proud of you. Super excited for everybody to see this film. It's been awesome chatting with you, and uh, I hope to see you down the road at one of these things or on tour. Thank you so much, man. We'll definitely keep in touch. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also, check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.